Welcome to the first of two podcasts for the Firestarter Wales Festival, brought to you by Business News Wales and the Wales Cooperative Centre. In our first podcast, we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, and in particular, the importance of social entrepreneurship. I'm going to start by asking our guests to introduce themselves. My name is Martin Downs. Uh, I'm the Social Entrepreneurship Officer for Social Business Wales. Uh, Dr. Anthony Samuel, I'm a senior lecturer in uh, innovation management and marketing at Cardiff University. I'm Kelly Davis and I'm the uh, co-founder of The Goodwash Company. So Martin, can I start with you and ask for a definition of social entrepreneurship? Uh, there's, um, there's, there's a broad definition of entrepreneurship that I quite like um, that isn't tailored specifically to actually one area of entrepreneurship. Uh, so it's, it's a European-wide um, definition. It's come from Denmark, and it's entrepreneurship is when you act upon opportunities and ideas and transform them into value for others, and that value is financial, cultural, or, or social. So I quite like that broad definition because it doesn't put social entrepreneurship in some sort of special category, or it's a it's a niche idea. It's actually part of the wider definition. So taking opportunities and ideas, transform them into value for others. That that's entrepreneurship. And that, that's social and financial and cultural. And is that broadly what you would say to your students, Anthony, that it's...? Uh, yes, I, I mean, personally, I really like that definition um, because it doesn't um, isolate social entrepreneurs and uh, social enterprise. It actually um, allows it to engage in what we would call mainstream business, which is one of the problems maybe of, of social businesses historically, is that they have been um, isolated and even ghettoized to some extent. Um, so if we can utilize a definition that, that embraces uh, the societal impacts of business, um, that, that's, that's uh, very, very positive, I think. And Kelly, you are a social entrepreneur, so how, how would you define what you do and, and what makes your business and your approach different from a sort of a conventional uh, approach to business and entrepreneurship? Um, well, I, I too like the definition. I hadn't heard it before like that because I agree with both points. I think obviously social enterprise is often categorised differently and it's always described as uh, not-for-profit, whereas actually it's profit for purpose. So, you know, unashamedly, we do make profit, but it's how we reinvest it and what we do with it, which I think is ultimately the difference. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey, you know, how you've, how you became a social entrepreneur, why you became a social entrepreneur, and a little bit about the businesses that you've run? Yeah, so um, I was a former professional uh, footballer, Decided that at uh, 22, even though I had a lot of international caps, that I wanted to do something different. I started up a social enterprise called Viability that taught young people how to run businesses, uh, well, football clubs as businesses, and help the local community and do different things. Um, it started in North Wales. It went to uh, 18 European countries, India. Um, we were named UK Social Enterprise of the Year. Um, but I think it completely consumed my life. I was on it seven days a week. And although um, I didn't realize it, but I did burn out. Um, I was afraid to make, I would do anything, not afraid to make, but I'd do anything not to make a decision. Um, but we had huge impact and I still felt that I wanted to be a social entrepreneur, falling in love with it. 
Uh, and I wanted to do something different. So I co-founded uh, the Goodwash Company uh, with Mandy Powell, who is a former an, a rugby international. We met at an event and said, actually, we wanted to do something for Wales, but we wanted to tackle the notion that you couldn't have a luxury product and do good. Um, so we launched the Goodwash Company, which sells luxury wash products uh, and gives the profits back to good causes. And, and how is Goodwash doing now? Where are you in the sort of the life cycle of the business? Um, it's still a journey, <laughs> um, and, it, and it's a bit of a roller coaster. But I think uh, once you, we, we're at that point where the concept's proven, we've got traction, and then now I think we're about that scaling up and and growth phase. Okay, so sleepless nights. Martin, you work with a lot of people like Kelly who are sort of interested in social entrepreneurship, setting up their own social enterprise. What sort of um, ideas are out there? What sort of social enterprises are there that are waiting to sort of spring on the world? Yeah, quite a wide um, variety, really. And it, the social enterprise world is really fascinating because, uh, you you know, you think you know social enterprises and then you discover there are a whole host of other businesses that have been really quite innovative and forward-thinking and... Um, and particularly, you see the rise of kind of ethical consumerism, which is what you know, where Kelly's at in terms of a product that's going to be for, you know, kind of for the selling to the public, and you know, it's it's what you're you're doing with the with the proceeds. Um, I think of examples like um, like uh, Madlug, the company that makes rucksacks, um, based in Northern Ireland, uh, and they you know they've they've created a brand that's a sort of a classic design. But with a thought that actually that brand makes the, the person who buys it the hero, because for every bag you buy, they'll give a bag to a child who's in care, who otherwise would would just, you know have to put their possessions in a in a bin bag. So Anthony, why do we need this stuff? Why why is it important that we have social entrepreneurs, particularly here in Wales? I think um, one of the defining principles of social social enterprises is that they've stepped into a, a space that the public sector and the private sector have withdrawn from in terms of an economic space. And uh, if, you, if you look at, for example, some of the social enterprises that are now, if you like, becoming a, an established part of our landscape, it's a known fact that 42% of our social enterprises in the UK are under five years old. But however, in Wales, we have 28% of our social enterprises are over 20 years old. So we kind of in essence, leading the way here in, in terms of creating social enterprises that are established. I was surprised to see that in Merthyr Tydfil, for example, 5.2% of all economic activity is driven by social enterprise and social entrepreneurs. Now, that's a significant um, uh, part of, of the economy that probably is overlooked in terms of policy, in terms of narrative in our political environment. Uh, but I, I see it as something that is slowly starting to emerge in in different narratives both in in our business school that is a public values business school that seeks to champion these um, these types of organizations uh, I don't know if I'm going off question here but uh, as an educator I think far too often uh, and I was speaking to Martin about this uh, earlier we, we tend to champion um, maybe the wrong heroes 
Um, so, for example, we look at international and global entrepreneurs who are, you know, for profit and, and often end up creating huge societal misdemeanors as a result of their business practices. Uh, if we look at Facebook, you know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, these are, you know, conversations that quite hof- af- often happen in our classroom. And I think maybe we need to start celebrating more uh, the social entrepreneurs that, that we have on our doorstep and, and start maybe heroizing them. Um, so, yeah, so as a sector, I think it's really important also to, to, to understand that they, they, they make a significant contribution. 40%, for example, are, are female owned. Now, this is a huge uh, difference when you compare it to only 17% of uh, small businesses throughout the UK are owned by females. So you have a, a whole maybe different philosophy that we need to learn about how businesses run, uh, how organisations can create not just wealth, but sus- benefits for society at large. And maybe how organisations can be seen as more feminist in their principles and practices as opposed to the machismo kind of uh, business school settings that I grew up in in the 1980s. Mm. Martin? I think we started we're starting to push on an open door with that as well. I, you know, I think the, the kind of the generation of students now are much more conscious of um, climate issues, um, of of um, waste, of, um, of how products are made, of, of supply chains. Just talking to uh, an academic uh, in Swansea who made kind of exactly that point. He uh, uh, compared to his generation, um, there wasn't that awareness but but younger people are i mean deloitte carried out a survey of millennials mm. and um, ethical consumerism was one of the things that you know it's important to a new generation that business has has values and it, it cares for society so and it's not just about profit and that, that's that's quite a sea change of, of thinking so i do think um we do need more heroes we do need more stories we do need more at a policy level um but i think we, we'll, we'll be pushing on an open door for that rather than um struggling against that model of business which is principally about wealth creation um, alone so i mean given that we are now pushing at an open door i mean social entrepreneurship is something that has been around for a long time but maybe um the sort of the context has changed um times are changing values and consumer attitudes are changing there are still going to be barriers there. So, so what are the barriers that our sort of next generation of social entrepreneurs are, are facing? I think first and foremost is um, if you, the academic literature is littered with um, no clear definition of what a social enterprise is. Uh, and as Martin said earlier, they cover such a, a disparate and wide variety of organisations, ranging from mental health to... You know, uh, ethical cleaning products to just maybe a youth club. Um, They cover such a wide and broad range of of organisations that have different societal contributions as a result of their trading activities. But it's very difficult to capture what actually is a social enterprise. Mm. And I guess one of the key challenges for academics and and for the industry alike and all the support uh, ecosystems around it is to somehow or another demystify that. And I think that can help then... um, generate a platform upon which you know positive marketing and positive messages and narratives can really spill out into our wider society. Kelly how about you what have been some of the main barriers that you've had to face in setting up a social enterprise? Uh, Startup funding I think Um, 
just to get an idea off the ground really that startup funding is really important to to have just a little bit, bit of belief and just you know sometimes it's only a small amount but you can actually turn it into something big and it helps you prove the concept and it gets people uh you know believing in it the other thing i think is or i've found and i probably still battle with this right now and it, it's interesting actually that i think there's been quite a shift in um, social businesses recently around governance structures and what's the right right one for me or you know the traditional models now you've got actual you know b corps and they were never talked about before and you know is it okay to have a, a private limited company but do purpose because that might attract the investment to to scale big so that you can actually do more so i think that's that that can sometimes be you know a bit of a barrier of how, how do i get through this minefield and thankfully obviously uh, social business wales and the wales co-op help with that but i do think it is a bit of a barrier i think one of the challenges with that so i work with a lot of startup companies and people at idea stage and there is that fear because of the language for not-for-profit um that people people worry about sustainability they worry about whether this is going to be a good enough income for them um you know they don't want to make pots of cash but they do want to to have a you know a, a business that's going to um, to be sustainable for them so I think that language, we, Anthony mentioned earlier, of, oh, and sorry, Kelly mentioned about profit for purpose and profit for good uh, is important. And there's an educational piece there around um, understanding, well, yeah, social businesses are businesses. They've got to make a profit. The difference is, is what they're going to do with that profit. And they're never going to develop, they're never going to reinvest unless they make sufficient profit. So there needs to be uh, a sort of a, a strong vein of, of you know, commercial thinking with every social business. Right, it's, I tell you now, it's one of my biggest bugbears in the world where I, and I feel like sometimes just, and I think I often do, is interrupting people's conversations when I hear them say, we're a not-for-profit hmm. about social enterprise and the same, because it's just like, actually, no, we, you know, we, we, we make profit. It's just what we do with it that's different. And I think, you know, it's still there. It, it, it definitely it's, is. Oh, it definitely yeah. is. I, think I heard that- it the other day. I think that maybe uh, drives from a, a kind of American neoliberalism a little bit as well, because, um, you know, if, if you talk in, in America, we've done a little bit of work on this, they, they do use this not-for-profit not definition, and they have huge societies that have generated up and around that. And obviously that then almost labels these organisations as charities. And by exporting that definition to the UK, I think we've done the entire industry a disservice. And, you know, personally, I, I much prefer, and I think the definitions that view profit with purpose is, is a far more uh, suitable narrative that captures the industry. Maybe we should all walk around with T-shirts on. So. <laughs> <laughs> profit for purpose, yeah. I think, I think it's quite interesting also, if you look at uh, Social Enterprise UK's uh, recent report on capitalism in crisis, they do identify that 58% of social enterprises, you know, one of their key challenges is accessing finance, but also managing that finance when it actually arrives. So it, it's not just... Um, access to funds it's also how to deal with those funds and how to deal with cash flow issues and the whole if you like very simple processes of running a, an efficient business um, so it's okay having purpose but as you rightly said it's also about operationalizing that purpose which is again another uh, key factor and and just to add to that in, in terms of the report there was a question that uh, for, I think it's around 14% of them we're struggling to get the right staff. Um, so again, are we 
are we equipping our graduates to enter this industry is a question I think we need to ask ourselves at a university level or a college level or a school level. Not the easy option. No. To be a social enterprise. You know, but I think sometimes people think, oh, I can be a... I often hear, oh, we'll set up a social enterprise. It's easier because you get grant funding and, uh, you know, it's so much easier. You can get access to different things. And actually, you know, it isn't the easiest option because you have got to take on investment. You have got to manage it. You've got to manage cash flow. Actually, I'd probably argue that it's the most difficult because then yeah. you've got to tie in the social impact with it. And it's not an easy thing to do, change people's lives. And, you know... And, and I think a key challenge as well is communicating that social impact and measuring it because, as we know, measuring social value is not a pure science, like measuring a profit and loss account. And, uh, you know, getting investors to understand that, getting communities to understand that, politicians and practitioners to understand that, academics to understand it's really, really important, I think. Do we have a problem, do you think, with just awareness of social enterprise and social entrepreneurs because it, they're, they're difficult to define. There's no badge that says we are a social enterprise that, that every social enterprise has. I, I think in my experience, um, there are a lot of social entrepreneurs who, because, because they're not in it for the profit and they're not in it for the personal gain, sort of, uh, keep hide their light under a bushel if you like they're, they're not comfortable going out there and talking about their business or the, the social impact that their business has and the, the problem with that then is that you have very little awareness you don't have those champions or those ambassadors or those role models that are there to sort of inspire the next generation yeah there's we imitate we we, we imitate those who are successful and desire what we we've got um that's a little segue into sort of uh, French philosophy from René Girard. Um, but I, I think it's true. It's the principle on which social media works, that we, we don't really know what we want, but we think we know when we see other people and and we imitate that and we and that's where our desire is hooked onto. Um, and I think that's true in business. I think, you know, we're not going... You don't see social entrepreneurs on The Apprentice. You don't see them on Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. Um, so that background cultural model of entrepreneurship yeah, it is about risk-taking, it's about innovation, it's about creating things from scratch, it's about personal, often financial risk, um, but it doesn't have that social component to it. So I, I, I do think we do we need to see more of those stories. And Anthony said earlier, it's about celebrating the, the right things. Um, I, you know, it's not, uh, it's not people you know, sat at the top of a pile of cash that we need to be imitating. It's the people who often are doing very unglamorous things working hard in their communities, working hard to to do on that double mission of social good as well as you know, being financially sustainable. I find it interesting, John uh, Elkington, uh, who came up with the concept of the triple bottom line, so triple bottom line being people, profit and planet, um, and those things being being measured. So he came up with that in 1994, and then last year came up with an article about a safety recall because he felt people had kind of misused the, the concept. Um, and they just looked at it as an accountancy tool rather than it being a proper model for, no, actually, we, you've got to give weighting to um, how your business impacts society, um, how it impacts the planet. And I, I do think working with a lot of, of uh, startup businesses and social entrepreneurs, there are, there are questions 
people ask about the business. They ask, is this a good idea? Will people want it? What do customers think? Is it scalable? Will somebody invest in it? But then there are other questions they need to ask. They need to ask things like, will this business be good for mental health or will it or will it be damaging? Will it be good for the planet or will it be bad? So to actually ask those ethical questions as well as those business questions is, is key. But So there's two things that we really need to work on, one of which is making sure that potential entrepreneurs are aware of this idea of social entrepreneurship so that we have more people setting up social enterprises And we also need to work with consumers and make sure that they're informed to know the difference between true social entrepreneurship and just sort of a corporate social responsibility fig leaf. Would you agree with that, Martin? Yeah, definitely. And certainly on that first point, I think particularly of, uh, you know, if if you're going to set out in business and you're going to start up, um, knowing that social social business, social entrepreneurship as an option uh, is something that has to be, you, you need to be introduced to and you need, you need to have more and more examples of social businesses, I think, in that, in that sort of sphere so that actually people can make better choices, more proactive choices. Um, and it is, you know, it is a, it's a different world. You need tailored business support that will, that will help with that, um, helping people to set up, helping people to structures into place. So whether that is you know private businesses who are, who are B course, it's really good seeing a kind of rise of, of those businesses that have embedded social aims, even though they're privately owned companies. Um, but also with social businesses, there are those sort of different legal structures and formats. So so part of it is making sure when people are at that stage where they've got an idea. I mean, certainly in my experience, I've come across people who it hadn't occurred to them until they were introduced to the concept that they could actually they could take that social good they want to do. And they can combine it with a business as well. So they're not trying to do two separate things. They, they, they can put the two together, and that's the best way for them. So I, I think at the, at the level of, sort of the business support that's on offer in, in Wales from, from Welsh Government, certainly our, you know, ourselves, we've, we've launched the um, New Start uh, service for, for social enterprises. So working over the next three years, with, we want to see 250 new social enterprises started up and then we'll, we've got business advisors to work one-to-one with them and then there are lots of other organizations within kind of the welsh context who are supporting the kind of that myriad of different social business types who think of people like uh, organizations like unlimited who are um, you know, providing funding and uh, cash awards for startups um, and then other kind of larger organizations that are helping with things like asset transfers so I, I think part of it is awareness. I think you know, you, if you are that person or that you know, a group of people who are at that stage where they think, well, we want to start, where do we go? Then there needs to be a kind of, you, know, you don't want a gap between the ideas and you know, well, here's the support that can, that can help. Kelly, what do you think we need to do to encourage more people to set up social enterprises? <laughs> um, I think, do, do, you know, do you know, I think there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of great things that we do in Wales around encouraging, you know, the new uh, breed of social entrepreneurs and also trying to encourage those that maybe uh, are later on in their career that finally have the nerve to say, actually, I'm going to give this a go. Um, and I think the new the new uh, service that you've got around helping people set up social enterprises is key. And I think, you know, it's 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 come at a good time. I wish it had come sooner, um, but it's definitely needed. Um, 
I think there's something about resilience training as well that needs to come alongside all of this because uh, it's not for the faint-hearted <laughs> social enterprise. You know, we, we've discussed it here, some of the challenges. Um, and, you know, there are different things happening and they happen a lot quicker now because of social media and, more, you know, external influences. So I think there's, there's something around that. And I do think that, and I agree with the points here, that we've got to somehow you know ethical consumerism is big it's big on the agenda it's big on social media it's got the profile at the moment maybe we don't do enough of that in wales at the moment and that's something i strongly believe in because you know if you raise that awareness it then starts getting people to think about what is social enterprise you know what well this is a social so we've got to tap into that a little bit i think but I, th- I think there's a word of caution with regards to celebrating the ethical consumer too much um, because we do have something um, that has emerged over the last 10 years called the buyer behavior gap. And that basically means that uh, people like to tell other people that they're ethical consumers, but when it comes down to choosing products and services, uh, economics uh, and basic economics win out. Um, so there are two arguments there. One is making sure that ethical products are available is key because when they're not available, people will not seek them out um, because they will purchase impulsively or they will purchase for convenience. And secondly, economically, they potentially need to compete better in terms of price, which is sometimes not always a a good marketing proposition for companies that wish to um, create social benefits and, um, if you like, pass on a, a quality product message. There are some dichotomies in the system there then. Uh, we're, we're talking about millennials who are, yes, they're more clued up. Yes, they're more concerned with the environment. Yes, they're more, polit- they're more active in terms of their consumption behavior. But um, on occasions, you know, economics and uh, convenience wins out. So I guess social enterprises need to be in that convenience space and they need to be in that economic space as well. And, and, and even the debate around it, it, it starts to get people thinking about it and thinking, actually, it's, you know. So. There's, there's a role for education as well that we need to touch on in, with all of this. So, you know, as well as kind of buyer habits and uh, what goes on in terms of supporting startups and investment, um, there's, that, there's that role of education. Uh, so whether that is through uh, courses or whether it's through enterprise champions at universities and colleges uh, just making you know students aware of what the options are with social enterprise. One of the uh, one of the things as an organisation that we've started promoting this year is the Social Enterprise Academy, um, and that's that's kind of wide ranging. So an accredited uh, course um, with, um, with with it's an ILM uh, level five qualification, um, but that will give people an introduction to social enterprise. So people working in the public sector, people in the private sector, third sector, students. Can, you know, there is that availability of a wider kind of quality education. Social Enterprise Academy is a global uh, brand starting in, in, in Scotland and um, you know, it's eventually got to Wales. Um, so I, I, think, I think that will, you know, that'll start. These are kind of seeds of really encouraging things going on. And I think, you know, if we have this conversation in three, four, five years' time, hopefully some of that will start to mature. I think we also need to step back and realise that our larger institutions have a role to play in in what they consume and what they procure as well and how they can actually um, 
encourage social enterprises to tender for contracts uh, and move away, if you like, from our typical uh, purchasing habits and patterns as institutions. There's some really interesting work out there as well, is, is that if you notice your, your institution purchasing and dealing with things in certain ways, you're likely to take those habits back home into your own personal consumption as well. So I guess the more ethical your organisation is and the more public value driven it is, uh, when you integrate with that organisation as an employer, as a student, you will often take some of those behaviours and thoughts and principles back into your home life. Which goes back to the principle of imitation. Exactly. That, that, that's, yeah, that, that's driving human behaviour and we need more exposure to it. So yeah, so I do think our institutions have a role to play, a key role to play. That's, that's very helpful. Thank you, Anthony, because that actually takes us nicely to, into what the topic's going to be in our second podcast for the Firestarter Wales Festival, which is Maximising Social Value from Public Sector Procurement. Just to finish off, I'd like to say thank you very much to our guests, Martin Downs, Anthony Samuel and Kelly Davis. If you'd like to find out a bit more about social entrepreneurship and setting up a social enterprise, then you can visit wales.coop.